I want to make sure that we refocus this time of year. It's very easy to get caught up in all of the worry and neglect the true wonder. God meant for Christmas to be a fulfillment. In fact, Christmas was a fulfillment not just of a 700-year-old prophecy, not just of a 2,000-year-old prophecy, but Christmas was the fulfillment of a Genesis chapter 3 prophecy. God meant for Christmas to be the fulfillment of His plan, and the wonder of Christmas is that God had an answer for every one of our issues. He had a solution. Instead of us wandering in our worldly stress, Christmas is about us wandering in His eternal answer for every single one of the things that we needed Him to respond to. Isn't it just like the enemy to try to take something beautiful and turn it into another source of bondage? Isn't it just like the enemy and the powers and principalities of darkness to take the wonder of God's prophetic fulfillment and turn it into the worry of worldly stress and frustration? And if we're not careful, even and especially the children of God can get caught up. I'm not saying don't celebrate the family time. I'm not saying not to have the parties. I'm not saying not to give the gifts. That's not at all what I'm saying this morning. I'm saying that remember that Jesus is not just the reason for the season. He's the reason that we exist all together. Tensions of stress, time. There's not enough time. I can't get to this family member and that family member. There's five of us and two of you. Drive your car to me. I can't get time back. It's the one thing I can't make more of. And when I miss that opportunity, I feel like I miss that moment. Maybe it's time in this season with loved ones that you wish were are there. With loved ones that you want to spend time with. Maybe you're looking at the loved ones that you still have, but they're too far to get to in the time that you have available just doesn't match up with your schedule to be able to make it to those people. So you take one more year and you miss that time. Maybe it's money. Man, I, I don't have enough. I can't afford that. I wish I could give my kids what everybody else has given theirs. Man, I, I, wish I, I wish I didn't have to work so I could go back and spend that time. But I have to make money. I can't take off. I can't miss this. I can't afford that. I can't go there. That's going to cost us too much to eat. That It's going to cost us too much to do this. Or maybe money's just the opposite. You spend way too much of it just because of this season. You put way more on credit cards than what you're supposed to. And all of a sudden, come January 15th or whatever time it is that your bills are due, at that time in the first of the year, you're stressing and stretching over things that you didn't need to spend on. And we forget that even Solomon wrote unto the Lord, Give me neither poverty nor riches. That Philippians 4.11, Paul wrote, I've learned to be content no matter my circumstances. Whether I have little or I have much. See, Philippians 4.13 was never meant to be something that was written on a piece of eye black and celebrated every time that somebody scored a touchdown for their own glory. 
Philippians 4.13 was about remembering the wonder of who God is and what he's able to do. In the midst of our worst, I can still do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Whether I have the time or whether I have the money, time and money are not my God, Jesus is. And the tensions of distress, the emotion with that family member that you hoped wouldn't show up. The emotion. Oh, somebody has one of those. <laughs> that crazy uncle you were hoping your kids would never have to meet. <laughs> the get together. The thing that you have to face. That first year that your 20 years worth of tradition has to change because of everybody's schedule and seasonal life. And all of a sudden, it affects the emotion inside of you. And everything that you expected no longer is because you had to make adjustments to what's always been. Tensions of stress, time, and money, and emotion. I've heard, it's, I've heard it said that depression is at an all-time high during this time of year. Depression is at an all-time high. Again, isn't it just like the enemy? To take God's wonder and turn it into our worry. To take the message of the cross and something that was beautifully and wonderfully made and use it as another opportunity to twist us into bondage. See, the truth is today, none of the tensions should take away from the awe and the wonder of Jesus. None of the tensions and the stress should take away from the awe and the wonder of the people that are in our lives to this day. If we only focus on what's not instead of appreciating what is, then we'll always live in retrospect of what could have been. But when we focus on who God has for us today and why we're still here in this life, and we continue to be captivated not just by what was, but what is and what could be, then we remember the wonder and the reason that God put us here and God has us here. Jesus is not just the reason for this season. He is the reason that we exist. We have ended every single one of these presentations on the Grinch, which has been an incredible uh, experience. It's been challenging, not, not going to lie. It's been challenging for our cast, for our crew, for our staff, for those hundred people who are out serving uh, hundreds of hours after they, they worked all week long and then came back up here and put a smile on their face and, and welcomed 1,100 people in three services in two days. And we're doing three more services today and another showing tonight and another showing the next night. Why? Because we believe in the wonder of who God is and what He has for every single person that walks into this room. Because we believe in what we preach. And when we impact eternity... It makes it all worth it if just one more came. It makes every hour of investment, every, every inkling of preparation worth it if just one more connection is made. And when we take eternity and we implement eternity into our now, it brings reason not just into the Christmas season, but into every season that we walk in. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, verse 18, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 1. That is, it's jumping around on me right now, y'all. I don't know if this is moving or I'm moving. I'm kidding. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. The Bible says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, 
was engaged to be married to Joseph. And we went over that last week, and I don't want to get hung up there, but I just want you to remember that this is supposed to be an exciting moment. Isn't it just like the enemy to take a marriage and bring some manipulation? Isn't it just like the enemy to take something, again, that's supposed to be beautiful, that's supposed to be great, and cause confusion and distraction and fights and anxiety in something that's so, supposed to just be the celebration of a covenant between a man and a woman and their God. And all of a sudden, we add so much more to it. And we see this same thing happening in the book of Matthew to the mother of Jesus and his earthly father, Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. God was implementing his plan. Now, it's one thing to remember what I preach, and it's another thing to receive it and apply it to your life. It's one thing to amen it. It's another thing to apply it. Whenever we receive and we hear God's word, we've got to figure out how in the world does that still apply to us today. If that was a miraculous moment, and we believe in that virgin birth, then what does that mean for us? Well, we're going to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. And again, some of you have heard me tell this, but I'm, I am tempted every year to put this somewhere within the Christmas series because it's so significant to who God is. In Genesis chapter 3, we see God speaking to the serpent. I want you to remember that Matthew 1.18, that it was the Holy Spirit that overshadowed her. It was the Holy Spirit that allowed the virgin birth, the immaculate conception to come to pass, that God skipped over the man and went straight into the virgin and into the pure. Speaking to the serpent in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, New King James Version is what I'm reading from. The Bible says, I will put enmity between you, serpent, between you, Lucifer, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed. I'm going to put enmity between anything that you try to reproduce and her seed. From the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3, in the fall of man and the woman that followed. And, and by the way, I, know a lot of, I understand that it was the woman that ate of the fruit. But most versions show us, and most theologian, theologians agree, that Adam was standing right there, and his silence led to her sin. He knew what she shouldn't do, but he didn't speak up, and he didn't lead his bride. And in that moment, they fell to the, they fell to the temptation of the one thing that God had told them not to do. And yet God didn't just turn on them. God didn't say, well, that was it. That was your chance. No, God implemented a plan of restoration right there. Just like he knew what we were going to do before we did it, and yet he still made a way where there seemed to be no way. He still implemented a plan for us, and that plan is still coming to pass just like it was for them. I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel. Now listen, I don't know if you've ever taken a blow to the heel versus a blow to the head. But there's one of those that I would choose over the other one. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever taken, like, if you've ever taken a rock to the heel. I mean, it doesn't feel great, 
Like if you step on a rock with your bare feet, because I know none of y'all living down here, you ever run around barefooted. But, you know, where I come from, <laughs> we stepped on things that we weren't supposed to step on because we were not wearing the shoes that we should have been. And when you step on something like that, it hurts. It can cut your foot open. It can bruise you. But if I take that same rock and you stand about 10 feet from me, and I hurl, well, about 10 years ago, I'd have hurled it really hard. Now my shoulder would fall off and I'd start crying. But about 10 years ago, if I'd have hurled that rock really hard and I hit you right in the head, listen, that other one might have hurt, but this one's going to hurt worse. And God said, I'm going to take what you meant for evil. And when you cause him to step up, when you cause her to slip up, when you cause him to slip up, I'm going to return fire, but what you're going to experience is going to be way worse than what you tried to put them through. I've got a plan for you. I've got a plan for you, Lucifer, and I've got a plan for them. I'm going to put enmity between your seed and her seed, and you may strike her heel, but she's going to, he's going to crush your head at the end of the day. You don't get to stay. You can come onto the scene, but you don't get to stay on the scene because I'm writing the story. That's what God is saying right there in the very beginning of the book at the first mistake that man ever made. And I share this about the seed. And if your child is in here, I pray that if they ask any questions, they're not too in-depth. The seed was different. <laughs> this seed was different than any other seed. See, normally there's two things about seed, and this is the part that I almost always go over around this time of year at some point. There's two things naturally that we see are required for seed. Number one, no normally a seed can only grow in dirt. Normally a seed, when you put it in, that's the only place it'll grow. Like if you put a seed in a plastic cup and just leave it on the countertop, it's not really going to produce. But if you plant it in fertile soil, and Jesus gives that illustration in the Gospels, of what happens to the seed when you put it in the soil that is fertile and has the potential and is watered and cared for properly. And that seed will grow. Now here's what's interesting. Man was made from dirt. So when God puts his seed of potential inside of you, if you're the right kind of soul, then the right thing will begin to be produced. And if you're not, then it will not. But that's a just, it's a biological and a biblical requirement for seed to be produced. It's got to be put in the right kind of soil. It's got to be put in the right kind of dirt. And God created man from the dust. And we were a dirt body. But then God breathed into us spirit, pneuma. And we became likened unto him in image and in likeness. Number two, normally seed does not come from woman. Just a biological explanation most of the time. That's not how that takes place. So God said in the book of Genesis, I will put enmity, Lucifer, between your seed and her seed. The problem is her don't have seed. <laughs> she receives. Okay? So, but God put a process into place right here in Genesis chapter 3 where he was going to do something unlike he had ever done before to right the wrong that had never been done before. God had a plan right there at the very beginning. Here's what we take for that. God doesn't need our methods to perform his miracle. 
God doesn't need our performance for his presence. Now, he also doesn't accept our laziness. And we don't get to be lazy and then blame it on Holy Spirit not showing up that day. We give him our best, and then he meets us where we are, and he shows us things that we could have never accomplished without him. But God doesn't need our methods in order to perform his miracle. He just needs us to believe and receive. God skipped over the man in Matthew chapter 1. God skipped over the normal process. God skipped over what the expectation of man would have been. He skipped over the dirt that would have normally been necessary in order for the seed to be produced. God skipped over the disobedience of that boy. God skipped over the dysfunction of that dirt. And he implemented a plan that went against the grain of the normal process. And now we see the wonder of Christmas coming to pass in the New Testament. And we cannot take for granted the immaculate conception that came to pass that was prophesied in Genesis chapter 3 and was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 verse 34, New Living Translation. Mary asked the angel, how could this happen? Now, I don't, I don't think she was just like, but how could it happen? I mean, she's, listen, she understands the repercussions of, about, of what's about to take place whenever she shows up pregnant and starts blaming it on God. <laughs> she's not a fool. God chose her for a reason. She understands that she's about to have to go tell her fiance that she has conceived a baby, but she's been faithful. And she's going to have to not just convince him, but the world around her. He could shun her. And she could be put to shame for the rest of her life. There's a lot at stake right here. So I believe that the voice of Mary was not like, oh, but how are you going to do this, God? No, I believe the voice of Mary was like, why me? How could this happen? Have you ever asked God, how could this happen? I've been doing this the right way. I've been serving you. I grew up in this place. I haven't done anything wrong recently. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? I believe we hear that same thing in the voice of Mary in this passage. I'm a virgin. I've been doing this the right way. Why do I have to go through this persecution when I've been following you and I've been faithful? Pick somebody else that's being disobedient. Make them an example. And God says, no, I want to use your purity. I want to put you under pressure so that you'll produce something that you would have never produced otherwise. How can this be, Mary said? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Watch this. So the baby to be born will be holy. Because if I would have continued to do the same thing the same way, then the same result would have been produced. But when I entered into the scene and I began to mix divinity with dirt, destiny became different. When God comes onto the scene of your life and he begins to mix divinity with what was just formally dirt, destiny begins to become different. He did that same thing in this passage so that what was produced was actually what he desired to be produced. 
The baby to be born is not going to be born with the same disobedience. The baby to be born will not be born with the same. When you give your life to Jesus and you unite with him in holy matrimony, with him first and foremost, when he's your one and your only and divinity meets dirt, all of a sudden divine destiny begins to come to pass in a disciple and an individual and the thing that is produced for the first time in its existence is holy and the children and the children's children don't go through the same disobedience they don't go through the same dysfunction the mistakes that you made are the lessons that they learn and you don't hand it down because it's been handled by Jesus the baby to be born will be different than he would have been because I'm now on the scene And he will be called the son of God. God skipped the natural process to bring about his supernatural purpose. When God gets ready to do something. When God gets ready to do something supernatural. He no longer needs our input. When God gets ready to do something supernatural. He no longer needs our understanding. When God gets ready to do something supernatural, He allows us to ask a question or two. But at the end of the day, when God gets ready to do something supernatural, there is one thing that He will always require from us in order to perform it. Obedience. Input, not necessary. Understanding, it'll come later. Obedience, that's what I needed. I just needed you to be obedient. I just needed you to obey. I didn't need you to tell me what you think. And I didn't need you to fill it out in frustration and lash it out on everybody around you. I just needed you to be obedient. Because I've got a supernatural process I'm about to implement. But the only way that I get glory for it is when I remove everything out of you that doesn't belong. Verse 36. What's more, almost like the biblical infomercial. If you receive today, what's more, that's not all I'm going to do. I'm not just going to produce one holy baby. (laughs) What's more, your cousin Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. So the time that you thought you had lost, I'm actually about to start redeeming that too. The time that you thought you could never get back, I'm about to start doing things more significant in your latter years than I did in your former years. See, you thought you were aging out, but you were actually just aging up. You were getting ready to produce something that you would not have produced had you not gone through what you've been through to get to where you are. Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. 
What people used to say about you, I know it's a little early, but just like a little bit of amen and a holler back. Like what people used to say about you is not going to be what they're about to start saying about you. The secrets that they used to whisper when you walked into the room are not going to be the phrases that they're snickering about any longer. Who they used to think you are is about to be transformed because I have entered onto the scene. And I'm about to use your consistent longevity of obedience to produce something that the world did not even know could come to pass through somebody your age. <laughs> Isn't it fun to just follow Jesus and stay focused on the wonder of who he is? She has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. She's in her sixth month. You thought she was barren, but for six months, I've had something incubating. You thought it was over, but for six months, I've had something cooking. You thought you were done, but for six months, something's been stirring on the inside of you that the world will see as significant. Why? Because verse 37, this is the wonder of Christmas. The word of God will never fail. Listen to me. The dirt didn't make you, and the dirt can't break you. That means it doesn't, it doesn't matter what kind of persecution you come under from another person. The dirt didn't make you, and the dirt can't break you. When you intervene divinity into dirt, destiny is produced whether other dirt wanted it to or not. Let me help you out here too. The dirt can't fix you. In other words, you need to look, stop looking for love in all the wrong places. You need to stop performing for an audience of men and women and begin to become captivated by the audience of one. That's what the wonder of Christmas is all about. See, people are a complement to what God is doing. Either that or they're a complication to it. But Jesus will never leave you and never forsake you. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Matthew chapter 1, finishing up that passage that we started with this morning. Verse 21, she will have a son. She will, listen, God is not finished with you. What he said he would do, he is faithful to see through. She will have a son. And you are to name him the name above every other name. You are to name him the name that at its confession every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. You are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Oh God, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. God, restore unto me the burden of a city of people who are hurting and looking for an answer of authenticity. God, restore unto me that which you have spoken before and help me to hang on to your word, especially when I'm weary. Help me to hang on to your word 
in the midst of my worry because the word of the Lord will never fail. Verse 22 says all this occurred. Why? To fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Verse 23, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God being with us may not look like what we expected it to. God being with us may not look like what we wanted it to. God being with us may be more difficult than before we were with him. But God being with us is the wonder of why we celebrate a season called Christmas. God being with us was his answer. He didn't just tell us what to do. He came down. He stood in. He did it for us. He never left us. In fact, Jesus said, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. God with us is the wonder in the midst of our worry God being with us is the wonder of Christmas his plan for redemption because he knew that we could not do it alone so he came hear me he didn't just do it for us he came and he's doing it with us that is what Christmas is all about. The wonder of who he is in a world that's wondering. We have his solution. Verse 24, and I'll pray. When Joseph woke up, <laughs> are we sleeping? Are we dreaming of our own things when God just wants us to be disciplined to His? When Joseph woke up as if he had forgotten why he was put on this earth. When Joseph woke up as if he had faded away from the fulfillment of his being. And he had become frustrated by things that were supposed to be fulfilling. He had become worried by things that were supposed to produce wonder. 366 prophecies fulfilled. And Joseph was sleeping. What are we sleeping through? And not recognizing God is doing when Joseph woke up, he didn't ask a ton of questions, although God would have probably answered just like he did for Mary and Job. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took divinity mixed with dirt and he united to God's destiny for him. If you would, bow your head, close your eyes with me this morning. Father, I just pray that you would make your presence known in this place.
Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. And right now, right where we're seated, we ask that you would begin to restore in our spirit the awe of Christmas. Restore in our spirit the awe of what it means for you to be with us no matter where we've been or where we are. God, you still have a plan for where we're going. Father, let us be captivated once again by you. In the midst of all the things that we have to do and all the what's that need to be accomplished, may we never become so distracted that we forget who our life is all about. I want to invite you to stand all over the sanctuary. Before you gather your things, just stand this morning. I want to invite our prayer team to come forward. We'll have a few up front. We'll have a few around the Grinch's Mountain and down the sides this morning. What we like to do in this moment is we like to just give you the opportunity to have one of these people agree with you in prayer. If the Holy Spirit is stirring anything in you today, if you have any kind of prayer request before you leave today, I want to invite you to step out from where you are, to come up from where you are, and let one of our people, let one of these prayer team members unite their faith with yours. Anoint their hands with oil and just agree with you in prayer today. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, then it's likely that you need to do some business with God before you leave today. But if you came in here this morning and you've not just forgotten the wonder of Christmas, you haven't even really been following Him. Maybe you've never received salvation. Maybe you've never confessed Him as Lord. Maybe you did in the past, but it's been a long time. And today, you need to commit fully, fully surrender or rededicate your life to Jesus. You can do that right where you are, but I can promise you, you will make it way more memorable by stepping out and confessing Him as Lord with someone else who could lead you into His presence. I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you, whatever the Holy Spirit is stirring in you, whatever prayer requests you may have, and invite you to come. Father, we love you. Lord, right now, I pray that if there's anybody in here that doesn't know you, that they would ask for forgiveness of all the places that they've fallen short, that they would believe that you have been raised from the dead and that you are who you said you are and you can do what you said you could do. Father, that we would confess you as Lord today. And Lord, for every follower of Jesus in the room this morning, I pray that if we have anything, any area of our lives where we would need prayer, then we would step out of our own comfort zone and allow you to comfort us in agreement and in prayer this morning. God, I seal these things in your Holy Spirit and ask in Jesus' name, let it be, Lord.